0: Greetings, family. Today we're going to be listening to Barbara O'Neill again. She raised eight kids, like Margaret Thatcher, raised six. Barbara O'Neill, international speaker on a very important message of health. And I approached her a little earlier this evening, and I asked her, what can you tell me that has not been said about you? Well, I'm sure she could have sat down and told me a lot of things, but what she had time for was the fact that she raised eight children, and that that ought to give her some credentials for for uh, referring to uh, children and how to take care of them and the best uh, care for them. She she actually um, uh, had six of her own and then the Lord gave her two more. And then on top of that she raised him in a rainforest in Australia where she lived for 12 years. Now that's just to whet your appetite a little bit. There's a lot more that uh, she could share with us and maybe we'll get get more of, of the story as we go along. But again, we're just so grateful to have Barbara O'Neill here with us for this week and this very special seminar. I think we're uh, living in a day and age when there's a lot of interest uh, on uh, the the subject of health and how to take care of the bodies that God has given to us, and we want to do it right. There's a lot of uh, misinformation and and uh, a, a lot of different things that, that we hear uh, on how to approach health, but uh, I think Barbara O'Neill not only uh, shares with us what we need to do and not do, but she shares with us a little deeper going into the cause of, of disease and symptoms and conditions, and, um, and and that's important. That's why we always see on the board in a little corner W H H Y and a question mark right why we want to ask why get to the bottom of it get to the root and I really appreciate that because if I know what's happening at that level then I am more motivated to uh, to to uh, take good counsel and take care of my body as I should well again we welcome you all And as we begin, I invite you to bow your heads with me for prayer. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this seminar. We are reminded of the fact that when Jesus was here on earth, he was very concerned about the health of the people. And that's why his ministry always involved the healing aspect. He wanted to see the whole person made well. And tonight, Lord, as uh, Barbara, Uh, presents uh, the information Uh, we pray that you will give us understanding and that your spirit will be here to guide and direct our minds and help us lord that we will take the information and be able to apply it to our lives on a day-to-day basis thank you for barbara bless her bless her family back home and i pray that you will bless us tonight in the name of jesus amen by the way, this evening as you exit to, your, to the left here, um, you will have the opportunity to uh, look at some of the materials, books, and DVDs uh, uh, that Barbara has uh, put together. And we've had them out in the back, and now they're gonna be out in the foyer for you to look at and to purchase if you like. Thank you. Thank you, Barb. Good evening, everyone
1: but as we say in Australia g'day and I think g'day came from the English good day <laughs> but it's a very well known Aussie greeting today is a g'day tonight we're going to be looking at two subjects the first one is safeguarding against depression and the second one is why we sleep why do we sleep yeah. and Believe it or not, the safeguarding against depression leads into why we sleep. The Proverb 14 verse 6 says, Knowledge is easy to him that understands. I'd like to give you a little bit of an understanding, just a very brief one, of the brain and the different reactions that happen in the brain, which will give us a little bit of a foundation to how we can safeguard against depression, and if we have depression, that how it can be conquered. So let me begin by looking at the brain, and the brain from sideways looks a bit like this. The brain from top down looks a little bit like this. And you'll notice in the front part there are two lobes, and medicine calls them the prefrontal cortex. Pre meaning pre at the front, frontal of course in the front, cortex. The whole of the top of the, of the brain is called the cortex, but this one in the front, it's called the prefrontal cortex, takes up approximately a third of the brain, and it's in the prefrontal cortex where we've got some pretty important functions. One is our intellect, another one is judgment. This is where judgment takes place. And the third function, of the prefrontal cortex is reason these are our reasoning powers here and i think the most wonderful gift that god gave mankind is the fourth one is the will and the will is the governing power in the nature of man it's the power of decision or of choice and when you think about it our decisions determine our destiny We don't choose what happens to us, but we choose our destiny by the way we respond or react to what happens to us. And you can see by looking at this that God designed that all our decisions be made according to intellect, judgment, and reason. But something uh, muddies the water, so to speak. It's not that clear cut. So let me introduce you another system, it's called the limbic system. And the limbic system sorry that's an i the limbic system is our emotional brain that's why it's often called the e-brain and god designed that our emotional brain that's our thoughts our feelings it threads through the free prefrontal cortex and when it comes through we can decide right then, I will let that be expressed in word, in look, or action, or at this point we can say no. No, that's that's. I, I am, I'm not going to manifest that, I'm not going to do that. It's the prefrontal cortex. Let me show you how it works. In the front part of the prefrontal cortex, so we're gonna do the right side, this is your right there's the I won't decision. In the left part of the prefrontal cortex is the I will. But right in the middle is I want. See, the highest function of the prefrontal cortex is foresight. So let me give you an illustration. We wake up in the morning, it's so nice and warm in bed, especially this morning, it's quite cool outside. So our first emotion usually is, I'll stay a little longer, is that right? I won't get up, I will stay in bed. But as our reasoning awakens, I want kicks in. In other words, what do you want out of this day? Where are you going in this day? I don't know about you, but as soon as I wake up, my brain begins, oops, I've got this on, I've got that on. Ah, I'm going here, doing this. I need to get up. I need to pray. I need to ask God for wisdom. I need to read my Bible to get some guidance. I need to run up and down hills and get oxygen into my brain. I need to eat a nourishing breakfast. I will get up. I won't stay in bed any longer. Can you see how they interact between each other? In fact, it is estimated we make 350 decisions a day. And so the proper functioning of the prefrontal cortex has everything to do with the decisions we make in life and our decisions determine our destiny. So what takes that down? Because when that's taken down and the emotion, the thoughts, and the feelings are in charge, it's not a good picture because our emotions can go up and down like the wind. So what takes it down? bad air we should be we should be breathing in pure air let me show you why we've looked at this i think the day before yesterday we're going to the cbd the central business district of the human body the inside workings of the cell the glucose goes in it goes through a 20-step pathway and the 20-step pathway delivers to us two units of energy The end result is a chemical form of glucose called pyruvate. We'll just call it the P. It goes through an eight-step pathway, this chemical form of glucose, and gives us 36 units of energy. What makes the difference is oxygen. That's why the eight-step pathway is called the powerhouse of the cell. We have one trillion of these in our brain. So if we're breathing in poor air, not enough oxygen, some of our cells are going to be running up here. And that's why pure air is essential for the proper running of the prefrontal cortex. I homeschooled the eight children. I don't know whether they were all at school at the one time. In fact, when Michael and I married 24 years ago, he were the ages of our children. Mine 10, he's 11, mine 12, he's 13, mine 14, mine 16, mine 19, mine 21. So of course the 21 year old and the 19 year old, they were off working. And I noticed that if they were struggling with long division, I'd call a break and I'd say, jump on the tram, get on your bike, go up and down the hill a few times, it's raining, skipping rope, something. Because that exercise was is the most powerful way to oxygenate the body. So exercise. Our prefrontal cortex needs exercise because when we exercise <clears throat> we increase the oxygen content in our 1 trillion brain cells and if we've got enough oxygen going in and our 1 trillion brain cells are giving us 36 units of energy can you imagine your brain function? <laughs> I've had two men come to our retreat Who got depression six months after moving into a mouldy house because they're breathing in bad air they're not breathing in good oxygen so a lot of their cells are running here and down they went they were so excited to hear this because they couldn't understand why. why why did they have depression that's why we should always have our why Newton's third law of motion to every action there is an equal and an opposite reaction. There is always a reason. You see, depression is not a cause. Depression is an effect. So we need to look at the causes. And as we go through this, we're gonna to touch on a few. Dr. Neil Nedley in his book, Depression Away" Way Out, excellent book. I went to a seminar by him. He said, I noticed as a GP, sometimes up to 80% of my patients were suffering depression or on antidepressants. So he started to implement lifestyle changes. And he thought, if I could even equal the effect of medication on depression, he said, I'd be happy. And i never forget his next statement. He said, far exceeded. So changing the lifestyle far exceeded the management of depression compared to medication. I'll tell you what, I was on the edge of my seat after that. You see, I used to work as a psychiatric nurse and I just saw the same people come back again and again and they got more medication and more medication. I just thought, this is not working. I'm excited in the work I do now because I see people get better. I see people conquer all types of mental illness, that's exciting. Dr Neil Medley says if he's got a severely depressed, bipolar, schizophrenic patient, he puts them on seven hours of exercise a day. That's a bit extreme. Cheap medicine though. That's not seven hours of aerobic exercise a day. That might be walking around the whole town, stop for lunch, stop for the bathroom, stop for some water, keep walking, keep walking. (laughs) What are they doing when they do that? bringing powerful amounts of oxygen into their body so their brain cells are starting to work down there. So when I sent my children out to do some sort of physical something in the break, they'd come back like this. And wow. (laughs) I can't say they got it like that, but it was a bit better. Number three. Temperance. The dictionary definition of temperance is not taking anything into the body that will harm it and taking in moderation the good things. All good things should be done in moderation because even good things can go to poison if overdone. Yesterday when we looked at the stomach, we had a look at how you overburden that stomach even if it's the best food. Organic, the best prepared. You can, it can turn to poison if you just overload that stomach. So all good things should be done in moderation, but there are some things that should not enter the human body if you're looking for optimum performance. There are some things that should not enter the human body if you want to conquer depression. There are some things that should not enter the human body if you want to safeguard against depression. Let's have a look at them. Sugar. And I'm talking about refined sugar, I'm not talking about honey or maple syrup. Refined sugar, why refined sugar? Well, this brain cell, it consumes 15 times the glucose of any other cell. Well, wouldn't sugar be good for the brain cell? Well, when sugar goes in, blood glucose levels rise dramatically. That means that brain function is overloaded. It's almost like trying to control a fast car. So I was in Germany a month ago and I was on the Autobahn with a young man named Zorin in his Tesla and we went 220 kilometers an hour. Whoa! It's alright, I loved it. I love speed. My husband was very jealous. I would not like Zorin to do 220 kilometers an hour on the back streets of Frankfurt and this basically is what's happening with the sugar it's just hard to control so very quickly insulins release get that blood glucose level down and now it goes too low how's intellect judgment and reason down there what's the old saying lights are on but no one's home that's why William Dufty called his book Sugar blues, because what does the sugar cause? The blues, it takes you down. Hybridized wheat, what's this got to do with depression? Sugar has a lot to do with depression because you're getting those quick highs and the corresponding dumps. The hybridised wheat does the same thing. It was hybridised in the fifties, went worldwide in the seventies. By the nineteen nineties, every, every every wheat product you buy is a hybridised wheat. It was pushed through quickly, so no safety studies were done. Sounds like the COVID vaccine, doesn't it? Pushed through with no no safety studies, and only now are they starting to realise it's causing a lot of problems. It created a starch that gets the blood sugar level up higher than sugar. And how many products are these two together? How many cookies, biscuits, cakes, donuts, pretzels? All breads use sugar for the yeast to raise on. There they are, together. So that this gets a dramatic rise, even more dramatic rise, and then the corresponding dump again. And there are several books on this. One's called Grain Brain by a urologist named Dr. David Pearl Mutter. He quotes a few psychiatrists who take their schizophrenic, severely depressed patients off wheat, off refined sugar, and off the next one, dairy, 50% improvement just by making those dietary changes. You see, both of these cause a fuel imbalance. So what's the problem with dairy? Well, it's great milk for baby calves. That, that, that's, that's what it was designed to do. But many guts cannot break that down, and so what gets into the blood is something called, and this might surprise you, KCO morphine. And the wheat breaks down to glutomorphine. What's morphine? It's an opiate derivative. But I'll tell you something very interesting. We touched on this last night. Here's the lining of the gastrointestinal tract. And do you remember the gut flora that covers it? And if there's gaps in it, and we talked about the drugs and refined sugars that break that down, This cell here is an unhappy cell. It's not getting nourished. This cell here is a happy cell because it's getting the nourishment. So let's draw, this is KCO morphine. So KCO morphine comes along here and that happy cell knocks off the morphine so only KCO gets in. KCO morphine comes along here This unhappy cell does not have the ability to knock off the morphine, so caseomorphine gets in. Glutomorphine gets in. They go to the opiate receptor sites in the brain. I hope I didn't lose you there. Enough to know, just let me get some water. enough to know why these two don't work. Caffeine. Here is the nerve cell. And this little energy cycle is inside it. And these are the receiving stations. And this nerve cell is different. This nerve cell communicates via little chemical messengers. They're encapsulated, sent down the arm into the boutons. And then they're released out to... communicate with the next nerve cell. That's how it works. These are neurotransmitters. What caffeine does is it interferes with the neurotransmitters. One is <coughs> adenosine. and it, <coughs> excuse me, acts like the brakes. When caffeine goes in, <coughs> adenosine levels The other neurotransmitter is acetylcholine, it rises, and it has to do with prefrontal cortex function. The other neurotransmitter is dopamine, and it rises when someone has a cup of coffee. Can you see the disruption of causes? Sugar and wheat cause a fuel imbalance. Caffeine causes a chemical imbalance. And what's the definition of, ins- of uh, depression? A chemical imbalance in the brain. Can you see that these three, right off, are contributing to that imbalance? And how many Americans have all that for breakfast every day? I know in Australia, I know the Australian figures, 50% of Australians at some time in their life suffer from some type of mental illness. So what happens? Let me show you. Adenosine levels drop, so very quickly extra receptor sites are developed to grab every bit of adenosine that comes through. That's why when someone stops coffee they get terrible headaches. Because when the coffee stops adenosine levels go back to normal receptor sites are flooded. There's the headache. Acetylcholine it rises when coffee's taken, and that's why people like it. Their brain works a bit better. But then the brain says, we've got too much acetylcholine. Stop making so much acetylcholine. Dopamine, that's your feel-good hormone. That's your pursuit of reward, pursuit of escape hormone. It rises. No wonder people say, I love my coffee. It just makes me feel good but eventually dopamine levels get exhausted and there's no feel good at all. And it is in that way that caffeine is contributing to depression. There is a way to get off the coffee without all the pain and suffering. And that is to have, if you're used to three cups of coffee a day, have three half cups a day. Next day, three third of a cup. Next day, quarter of a cup. And if you ease off it like that, you won't have the pain and suffering that we see so much at our health retreat. So if people say to me, do you drink coffee? I'll say, no, I just watch the people suffer day one at our retreat. Alcohol. Alcohol is a toxic poison and has the ability to kill brain cells. There is no safe dose of it. In fact, in the prohibition... uh, was it 1920 to 1933 mental institution occupancy dropped to eight percent all because alcohol stopped mm-hmm. tobacco tobacco inhibits oxygen flow to the brain so a lot of brain cells are up here drugs drugs never cure disease they just change the form and location in the medical journals it states that antidepressants can cause depression now it might help initially, but then the person gets addicted to it. And if you don't find the cause, you'll never have a cure. That's why the detective hat has to be put on. MSG, MSG, monosodium glutamate causes the nerve cells to overfire. So the food tastes great, but the nerve cells everywhere overfire. Mold, we already looked at that. Also, electromagnetic field excess. More and more problems are being contrib. Uh, they find this is contributing to. It's called the silent killer because you can't see it. You can't put your finger on it. It's a very um, socially acceptable list, isn't it? Now the drugs. There are three types of drugs that can contribute to depression. One is mind-altering legal drugs, mind-altering illegal drugs. If someone says to me, can you help my brother? He's got uh, schizophrenia. I say, how old he is, 26? Has he done recreational drugs? What do you think the answer is? In 99% of cases, yes. There's been damage already done to the brain. Can they recover? It's a hard road, but I have seen recovery but some never get back to what they were. It's just not worth it. So you're mind altering legal drugs, you're mind altering illegal drugs, but also the side effect of many medications can be depression. You can have 10 people on a diabetic medication and one will get depression as a side effect, but the others will not. So it's it's hard to put your finger on that one. But to safeguard against depression, this must be eliminated. To conquer depression, this must all be eliminated. Number four is sleep. In my next lecture, I'll be exploring this in more detail, but let me give you some of the current figures. Six nights, sorry, ten nights, ten nights of six hours sleep a night doubles the risk of mental illness. And I'm going to show you why that's so in the next lecture. The problem with six hours is you feel okay. If you have four hours sleep, you feel like something, as we say in Australia, you feel like something the cat dragged in. Do you have that saying? But the problem with six hours, it's a great deception. You seem to be all right. There are two uh, two very famous people that show the... The devastating effect of years and years of lack of sleep. And one is Margaret Thatcher. She boasted on five hours sleep a night. How did she spend her latter years? Severe dementia. And the other one is President Ronald Reagan. He also boasted on only needing five hours sleep a night. How were his latter days? Also um, severe Alzheimer's. God never meant the human brain to deteriorate. God's design was that the human brain gets smarter and wiser with age. And there is a formula, and you're learning this formula. Safeguarding against depression, this is how you safeguard also against Alzheimer's. So eight hours not negotiable, as you'll see in my next lecture, so you've got a choice. You can go to bed at 8pm and get up at 4. Sorry, not this week. Or you can go to bed at 9 and get up at 5, that's my favourite. Or you can go to 10 at a stretch and get up at 6, so you've got a choice. We'll explore that more in a minute. Number five, exercise. We've done exercise, sunshine. The ultraviolet rays from the sun go through neurochemical pathways and hit the pineal gland. And the pineal gland releases serotonin. You've heard of serotonin? That's your mood hormone. You feel sad, go and sit in the sun. Couldn't do it today. Could do it the day before yesterday. The sixth law is proper diet. We've been touching on this a few times. We certainly touched on it when we looked at the liver We looked at uh, Genesis 1.29, where God's telling Adam and Eve what to eat, and God says, behold, I've given you every herb-bearing seed. There's your grains, your whole grains, there's your legumes, your nuts, your seeds, also the vegetables and the fruits. The plant-based diet supplies everything that your brain, your prefrontal cortex needs to function properly. The little neurotransmitters are made of amino acids. There's the protein carbohydrates give the fuel that the brain needs now we looked at the danger of high carbohydrate carbohydrates aren't bad and the only way you can eat a no carbohydrate diet is to eat nothing but meat because all vegetables and fruit have some carbohydrates no i'm not suggesting that you live on meat not at all but it's just an illustration to show that even when even if you choose to lose weight say that you get the carbohydrates right down. You're still getting carbohydrates. Your brain is still getting fuel. And the brain is the fattiest organ in the body. So lack of fat can contribute to depression. The membrane around the brain cell is 70% fat. Last night, we also looked at the ketogenic diet. And I showed you how the ketogenic diet has been used for, for decades to conquer epilepsy and it's a high fat diet. Now I don't eat a high fat diet and I'm not recommending a high fat diet, but in the case of epilepsy, they found that increasing the coconut oil, the liver breaks it down to ketones and ketones are neurohealers, neuroprotective. Let me show you another reason is glucose, it burns at 4 calories per gram. Whereas fat, it burns at 9 calories per gram. Now this information is in every weight loss book as the reason why you shouldn't eat fat. But what the people don't understand is what a calorie is. A calorie is a unit of energy. So if you want a high energy food, what do you eat? Fat. (laughs) It'll give more than twice the units of energy that glucose will give. They used to do carb loading for athletes, but they don't do that anymore because it'll give a high and then it'll give a low. What they suggest now is a protein drink. And in that protein drink, there are chia seeds, those omega-3s for the brain. Put some coconut cream in there, that saturated fat. Remember, we looked at yesterday, body loves burning it for fuel. No wonder this... Excess coconut oil for the epileptic patients, their brains are starting to heal, they're starting to recover from their epilepsy because the brain is consuming 15 times the fuel, remember? So it loves the fats. And so the proper diet to safeguard against depression is a diet that is high in fiber, all your plant foods have fiber, generous proteins. Some grains, your legumes or beans, nuts and seeds, and great fats. We looked at the great fats yesterday. Nuts, seeds, avocado, little bit of olive oil and coconut. Remember, they're concentrated. Seven, use of water. Our brain is a hydroelectric system. No hydro, no electricity. If someone's dehydrated, they can develop negative thought patterns. So it's vital that we will be well hydrated. That's eight, eight ounce glasses of water a day at least. Start early. I try and have three or four before breakfast. I usually rise at five. I usually walk at six. I usually eat at seven. So I've got lots of time to drink water little by little. Remember half a glass at a time, half a glass when you wake up, go to the bathroom, another half glass, pray, another half glass, read your Bible, another half glass, so stretch it out. Now, the fluid around the brain is seawater, so we also need that little bit of Celtic salt. When we look at heart health, I think we're looking at heart health tomorrow night, I'll be exploring the salt in detail, but the Celtic salt has 82 minerals. So when I start every glass of water, I have a little bit of salt, a little bit of salt before every glass. Dr. Robert Thompson, in his book, The Calcium Lie*, he says, when you do that, all you're doing is replacing the minerals you lost yesterday. We lose minerals when we perspire. We lose minerals when we urinate from our colon. They need to be replaced. Eight is trusting God. God gives some beautiful principles in the Bible that help to safeguard against oppression. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, God says, I've not given you the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. Here's your sound mind. Doesn't your sound mind use intellect, judgment, and reason to determine things? Whereas fear is an emotion. And Dr Carolyn Leaf, she's a Christian psychoanalyst and she's got a book called Who Switched Off My Brain and she gives some very interesting principles there. She said when negative emotions come in to our brain we've got a choice at that point we can hold on to them or we can let them go and she likens it to and I'll draw this a little clearer. She likens it to a breeze wafting through the branches of the tree. So here comes the negative emotion, and at that point, you've got a choice. You can hold on to it, or you can let it go. If you hold on to it, when we cherish or entertain negativity, it takes root. And the research now is showing. That thorns can grow or develop between the dendrites, and those thorns are damaging to the tissues. Those thorns can even cause your psychosomatic diseases. So we don't want that. Remember, you have a choice. I'm going to give you a story to illustrate. I I ran over my husband's computer with the, in the car one day. Why did I do that? Well, it was an accident. (laughs) I didn't realise the bag was there. I was backing off anyway. I'm cutting a long story short. I thought, oh, because I felt the bump. I thought, what was that? Oh, the computer case. I couldn't open the door and I'd left it by the wheel and I ran round to open it dusk. I forgot I'd left it there. So I went out, picked it up, put it in the car. Oh, dear. So what am I challenged with now? You idiot, what have you done? Your negative emotions start to come. And remember, God designed these emotions to thread through the prefrontal cortex. I was giving meetings in a little town in Sydney. Mike was with me every day, but he had to go to a meeting. He said, you go to the, you go to the evening meeting, I'll join you there. But don't forget my computer. Well, I had the computer, but <laughs> it didn't look too good. I didn't, didn't dare look inside. The handle of the computer case was, <laughs> was enough. Just as I'm driving out or backing down, I just picked up the sad computer case. Michael rings. He says, how are you going? That's what he always says. How are you going? I said, all right. He said, what's the matter? Now, I'm used to just diving in the creek every morning, just dive in. I said, I've just run over your computer with the car. He said, oh. I said, look, I've got to go because I'm backing out. He said, yeah, righto. And I, that's very Aussie, backed out. And as I'm driving along, I am challenged, so challenged. You idiot, how could you, the negative emotions. Now, very quickly, prefrontal cortex comes in. This is where God communicates with man. And early every morning, I surrender my prefrontal cortex to God. You see, God is not in every man. God gave mankind choice. And I choose every day for the great God of heaven to come in. I need him. I need him just then. I thought I was going to go into coughing fit. Praise be to God, I'm over it. <laughs> I chilled on the plane coming over <laughs> and got a little cough. So I just went behind there and said a prayer, and he heard me. <laughs> and now I speak. I need him. I need him. I need him every hour. And he prompts me through there. So when the negative emotions come in, this is where the what the prefrontal cortex does. Settle down. It was an accident. You, Michael does all the driving usually. You, you didn't realise it was. It's an accident. You idiot. And then the emotions come and then prefrontal cortex comes in again and God's pretty strong this time. He says, you're about to speak to 80 people. These people have been planning these meetings for six months. You cannot take this on. Sometimes you have to sing at the top of your voice. (laughs) And the battle is fierce. We know it well, don't we? We know it well. But can you see why God wants this prefrontal cortex sparky? And how do we keep it sparky? By keeping these eight laws. I was well hydrated. I was well slept. I'd eaten well. I'd surrendered my prefrontal cortex to God. But now God gave me the choice. Was I going to listen to him or was I going to listen to the thoughts and the feelings and the emotions? It was a battle. It was a fierce battle. But I chose to listen to the voice of reason. Ten minutes later, Michael rings back. I say, hello? And the first thing he said was, it's all right. Oh, how I love that man. (laughs) Did he need to say anything else? (laughs) I was already battling in my whole mind. That's why when my children dropped a plate, when my children did something that was broke or something, I did never say anything, because I know they already feel stupid. So when I came in and saw it, I'd say, okay, let's clean it up. Hmm? Now, if they're in the kitchen throwing plates at each other, (laughs) that's a different kettle of fish. Mm -hmm. Oh, parents, don't we need intellect, reason and judgment? Mm -hmm. Often the battle is fierce. And this is what you'll often find when someone is challenged with depression. And I find that one of the keys to unlock the door to set the captive free is forgiveness. Past pain. Because God says in his book, he says, take no thought of tomorrow. It's got enough worries of its own. (laughs) He says, I've just given you today. Actually, he's just given you a moment. And in a minute, he'll give you another moment. And when you love the moment, I loved my drive here. I'm not used to seeing such beauty in the trees. Oh, the colors, they're just outstanding. I'm from Australia. We just have gum trees. eucalyptus trees (laughs) evergreens oh the color value every moment and that's what god wants to do us to do value every moment when you love the moment past pain fades and future worries don't seem so bad don't allow this moment to be taken away from you And what often takes us away from loving and valuing this moment is past pain and future worries. I was to fly home on Sunday and they cancelled the flight. Oh, I want to go home. I've been away seven months. So when they cancelled the flight, I said, oh, Michael said, are you alright? right? I said, yeah, I'm alright. right. (laughs) I'm booked in for three weeks time. What else can I do? But love the moment. Love this moment. There's a saying, it says, worry is blind and cannot discern the future. Just love where you are. Just love the moment. God says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, in everything give thanks. So you know what God wants me to say? Thank you, Father, for for allowing the flight to be cancelled. Thank you. There's a reason that I'm going to be here a few more weeks. So very quickly, my husband booked me into North Carolina next week and Boston the week after. (laughs) Love the moment. I love wherever I am. What else can you do? There's nothing else that you can do. In Philippians, it says, This one thing I can do, forgetting the things which are behind. I reach forth to the things which are before I press towards the mark for the high prize of the calling of Christ Jesus and in 3rd John chapter 1 verse 2 it says beloved I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers that's God designed for us is that we are the happiest people on the planet and happiness is a choice and forgiveness is a choice. What will stop us forgiving is the feelings, the emotions. The pain is too great. As one lady said to me, when I said, have you forgiven your abuser? Her father married five times, her mother married three times. In every case, there was abuse. At 14, she jumped out the, out the window and ran away from home. She's married now. She has three little children. She said, but I I can't, I can't relax with my husband. She's away from the trauma, but it's following her. What can she do? I said, have you forgiven your abuser? She got angry with me. She said, if I do that, it's like saying it's all right. I said, how could that ever be all right? That is not all right. But I say, when you forgive, the prisoner that you fret set free is yourself. Forgiveness cuts the chains that bind you to painful past. Forgiveness gives you wings. Forgiveness is the only prescription in the entire universe that has the power to break the chemical bonds of hostility, anger and hate. Just do it. Don't wait for your feelings because it's a law of the mind that your words affect your feelings. And when you say, I forgive, you might not feel like it right now. And you might even not feel like it tomorrow, but you will feel like it because it's a law of the mind. And I've got some good news. It takes 21 days to form a new pathway. And if you have a pathway that's angry and bitter, about the pain that was inflicted on you, maybe physical, maybe sexual, maybe emotional abuse, maybe many years ago. And you might have a strong pathway there of anger, resentment, bitterness. But do you know what's building up? The thorns. Science now reveals to us something amazing happens in the brain when we forgive. Yes, not only as the days go by, you'll feel a little bit about it, a little bit better about it, because it's a law of the mind that your words affect your feelings. 21 days to form a new pathway, 60 days, and it's in cement. Immovable. Stop going down that old pathway. Weeds will grow over it. Start a new pathway. The research today is showing that we can grow a new pathway right up until the day we die. Isn't that good news? It's called neuroplasticity no matter what the age. You can do it. If you say you can, you will. And if you say you can't, you're right. You won't. And your words affect your feelings, so be careful on those words. When we forgive, Let's say we all forgive right now. We forgive. And remember, you don't have to feel like it. How could you possibly feel like it? That was terrible. When we forgive, let's say we all forgive right now. When we go to bed tonight, hopefully by 9 or 9 30, in those early parts of the night, and I'll show this in detail in my next lecture, in the early parts of the night, The cleaning system is stimulated, it's called the Glymphatic system. The Glymphatic system is activated, it's your brain's vacuum cleaners. And that Glymphatic system will come along and vacuum clean up all the thorns. Isn't God good? No wonder when Peter said to him, how often should we forgive, seven times? Peter thought that was pretty generous. But what did Jesus say? Seventy times seven. In other words, always. Because the one that prospers the most is ourself. It's like three men who were in a concentration camp. They were treated very badly. They were tortured, but they survived. And they went their ways. Forty years later, they all came back together. And one of the men said, Well guys, have you forgiven? Have you forgiven your abusers? And one of them said, I have. And the other one said, never. I will never forgive them for what they did. And the man that asked the question said, well, you're still in prison. You're still in prison. Because it doesn't hurt anyone else, does it? Actually it does. When we entertain and cherish negativity, unforgiveness, we're not happy people and that affects the people we're with we are not islands forgiveness sets the prisoner free the prisoner is me forgiveness cuts the chains that bind you to painful past so when god says in everything give thanks he doesn't mean you have to like it he just says say thank you father i don't like this but i'm thanking you because I'm believing that out of this great things can happen. So there are two polar opposites of emotions in our brain, in our limbic system. One is faith, one is fear. And the Bible verse for faith is Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, where it says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And further down in verse six, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. We must believe that he is and a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. What's the Bible verse for fear? Second Timothy one verse seven, God says, I have not given you the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. A powerful mind, a loving mind, a sound mind, is a mind that has made a decision. I will not entertain any negativity and I will forgive all who've ever abused me. Now faith grows strong by earnest conflict with fear and doubt. So when those doubts and fears arise, no thank you, no thank you. I'm not gonna take it on. That's why when the battle's fierce, try singing at the top of your voice. Try thanking God for everything. And the Bible says in Proverbs 17, verse 22, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Laugh. Learn to laugh more. Children laugh 125 times a day, so should we. My little grandson, Sonny, he was three. His mother put him to bed. He called her back five minutes later. She said, What is it? He said, I've just found a new laugh. She said, What is it? And he went, <laughs> <laughs> We should laugh more. This is a Bible principle and it's a principle to safeguard against depression. Giving thanks for everything is a safeguard against depression implementing those eight laws is a safeguard against oppression and start to memorize the verses that you love a beautiful one to start with is matthew 11:28. 28 come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and god says and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn of me for i am meek and lowly in heart and you will find rest to your souls For my burden is easy and my yoke is light. What beautiful promises there are in the Word of God. There is no need for us to be depressed because there is so much beauty in life. A. A. Milne, the poet, said, The world is full of so many things, we all should be as happy as kids. Take these laws make them yours. Implement them into your life. And watch how clear your prefrontal cortex becomes. And forgive, and be thankful, and laugh more. And you can take up what the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 21, prove all things. That's a challenge by God. He says, prove this, prove it. He says, prove all things and hold fast to that which is good. I live like this because I've tried it, I've proved it, I love it and I hold fast to it. Hold fast to that which is good. Before we have a break, I'd like to pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this incredible information. Thank you so much for bringing us here. Thank you so much for a body that can heal itself. And thank you for a mind, a brain that can heal itself. And we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So it is now seven o'clock, so please come back in ten minutes and we're going to have a look at why we sleep.